We are going to have conversations about conversations with God today. Yes, I'm so excited. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz, and we meet on this show to explore practical ways to apply holistic and spiritual solutions in today's world. Who doesn't need more of those? And today, I just know this is going to be very useful for you because this is the man that kind of changed my life and opened me up to listening in a bigger way. And I'll share how that happened in a little bit as well. So thank you for joining us. And also with me today, whether you're joining us on one of our audio channels or youtube.com slash Cheryl sits, where you can watch us have this conversation and feel a more part of it maybe. So today we talk with Neil Donald Walsh He's written 40 books on spirituality and his practical application in our everyday lives. His latest is called God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. Seven of nine books in his previous series, Conversations with God, made the New York Times bestseller list, and book one stayed there for 134 weeks. I bet you read it, didn't you? His books have been translated into 37 languages and read by millions around the world. And we are so honored that he is joining us today. You can learn more about him online at his website, neildonaldwalsh.com. And hi, Mr. Walsh. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, it's lovely to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation. How may I be of service? Oh, you know you're trying to help us get in better contact with our creator and i think that's the greatest service that there is so that's a conversation i'd always like to have i love that you shared in this book again how you went on a morning talk show and they kind of ribbed you about so you're in touch with god huh and and what's his message for us and how many words can you get that down to and you said five you've got me all wrong are we doing any better with that all these years later i don't think so Um, maybe a tiny bit better in the sense that more people are becoming aware that we've got God all wrong. But in the largest sense, probably not. Humanity as a whole is not doing a whole lot better than it was when I was asked that question some years ago on the Today Show by Matt Lauer. But uh, I I think we need to do better than we have been doing, which is why I'm happy to accept uh, the invitation to join you on this platform. Thank you very much for the opportunity so we can share, or at least I can share, my understanding that with regard to God, we've got it all wrong. We do have it all wrong. And, and, and we're having wars over it, and we're doing all these crazy things in the name of God because we think we've got it right, and yet all we have to do is look out the window and realize that we've kind of messed this up with our interpretation of things. So thank you for bringing some clarity to this conversation. I love this book because you also had a lot of other authors chime in and share their stories about how they've had conversations with God that have impacted their lives. Did you think that you'd be doing this many years ago? Did you think that your life would be writing about conversations with God and helping us wake up? Did you have any foreshadowing of that? No, not really. I can't say that I did. I turned to God in a moment of total desperation and exasperation in my life. And, you know, I'm sorry that it that it took that for me. It's not necessary. I was told in my conversations with God that you really don't have to go through hell to get to learn more about heaven. But uh, 
in my case, I did have to go through hell because I was a very stubborn person. Uh, and I didn't really open myself to ultimate realities until my life began totally falling apart. So the answer to your question is no, I did not have any foreshadowing uh, of this experience. You know, I always did have a belief in God. Like a lot of people, I believed in a higher power. But I didn't know what to think about it, what God wanted, what God does not want, what God does if God doesn't get what he wants, how to use the higher power, if we even are allowed to use the higher power. I didn't have any idea about any of that. So I did turn to God when my life was falling apart a few years ago. And uh, I finally said, okay, what do you want from me? What is it that I don't understand here? And uh, that's when God began giving me her answers. And you did something that I know, at least in my case, I believe is what was blocking me from having a deeper relationship with God, because I grew up through religion. I grew up a very spiritual person, but I, I had it all wrong. And I wasn't listening. I was praying like crazy. And it wasn't until my life fell apart that I prayed really hard. And then I, I had no choice but to sit there and listen. And that was the best gift ever for me. So I agree with you. We don't have to wait until then. But isn't it amazing how many of us do? <laughs> yes. And, and here's what's sad. The truth is that God is talking to all of us all the time. Because you know, I did ask God in the middle of my own personal experience. Why me? Why would you choose me to talk to? And God said, oh, sweetheart, Neil, Neil, Neil. Don't start thinking that you're somehow more special than anybody else. I talk to everybody all the time. The question is not to whom am I talking? The question is who's listening? So I was advised that God is talking to everybody in a hundred different ways across a thousand lifetimes. But we we call it something else. Most people call it something else because they don't want to be ridiculed or marginalized. So rather than saying, yeah, God told me this or God said that to me, we say things like, you know, I had an epiphany or I had a sudden insight or I had a, a brilliant idea this morning or, or you know, it's, it's, it's women's intuition, you know, or, or I had a psychic hit. Whatever words we can find to describe the experience of information landing upon us from a source that seems not to be our own. You know, like I had, a, I had just had a brilliant idea. Where do brilliant ideas come from? So, so that's the uh, understanding that I've come to is that God is talking to all of us all the time. We're simply calling it something else. I chose to call it exactly what it is, or at least exactly how I experienced it. I experienced it as a conversation with God. And and that's what I told people uh, when I finally decided to allow other people into the dialogue that I was having. By the way, I should, I should say, uh, Cheryl, at the beginning here, that I didn't really sit down to write a book. When I was having my first conversations with God experience, I was not sitting down seeking or determining or deciding to write a book. That's not how it happened. I was at the end of my rope, as I said a little while ago, uh, and, and I was exasperated. Uh, and so I really, I was in my apartment and I wrote a letter to God. It just, it was, it happened to be a yellow legal pad sitting on the coffee table in front of me. I don't know, I was making out a grocery list or whatever, but there was that yellow tablet. 
And so I picked it up at 4.30 in the morning, one morning, because I was just pacing around the apartment. I couldn't sleep. I was angry about life. So I sat down and I said, dear God, what do you want from me? What does it take to make life work? And what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? And that's when God started answering my questions. It, it was a voice in my mind. At first, I thought, really, I thought there was somebody in the room with me. I, I whipped around because I thought I heard a voice saying, Neil, do you really want answers to, to all of these questions, or are you just venting? But of course, there was no one there. And now I'm really upset. I'm thinking to myself, oh, not only is my life falling apart, I'm now I'm going crazy. <laughs> I'm hearing voices. But then the voice kind of like I want to say, my experience was it kind of moved inside my head. And it began answering, Cheryl, every question I ever had. Even It even began answering questions I never dreamed existed. I mean, it was inspiring me to ask certain questions so that it could answer me. And I wound up with 3,000 pages, ultimately, wow. of conversations with God. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. I loved the stories in this book that other people also shared about their conversations. And then I was delighted to, and I want to talk about a couple of those stories in a moment, but kind of following what we're talking about. After those stories, I was delighted that you came through and said, I've, I've come up with an informal process for how I have conversations with God and how you can too. And would you like to share that with whoever is joining us in this show so that they can benefit from that as well? Well, I would be happy to uh, if you if you think it would benefit people as you've just suggested. Um, the, the the process that I've kind of and you know I didn't sit down and design a process. This is just what I noticed was happening organically in my life. Perfect. Any more any more than I sat down. I mentioned a minute ago I didn't sit down to write a book. Uh, I should really complete that thought before I give you this process because I never really reached the completion of that thought. I didn't sit down to write a book, and many people have asked me. Well, if you didn't sit down to write a book, how did it one day become a book? I mean, what? how did that happen? What happened was in my very first experience of interacting with the divine, I was taking down these questions and answers, questions and answers, writing madly on my yellow legal pad. And after many, many, many pages of Q&A, God said to me, you will make of this all one day a book. And it will be accessed by many people. And you know, Cheryl, as I'm writing this, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, right. Now I got you. And I'm really thinking, now I got you. Because part of me thought this was just my imagination. You know, I'm making it all up. So, But I thought, if it really is God, now I got you. Because nobody's going to publish a book by a guy who claims to be talking to God. Can you imagine me sending you know, these notes <laughs> to a publisher? saying, hey, I'm talking to God. I thought you might want to know what, what you know he had to say to me. So and, and I could imagine the publisher going out to the workroom floor saying to his editors, hold the presses, <laughs> everything. I got a guy here who's talking to God. It's, 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 I realize it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to publish this book. So you know what? I sent my notes. I had them typed up by a stenographer, and I sent my – it was all handwritten, of course. It's 4.30 in the morning. Wow. But I sent my notes to a publisher. I, I, I hired a little stenographer and gave her a couple of dollars to type them all up. She was, by the way, flabbergasted. She she said to me while she was typing this out, 
this is unbelievable. Where is this coming from? I said, well, you tell me, man. So I said, I did send it to a publisher on the East Coast of the United States. And by golly, if they didn't call me back about a week later and say, we want to put out this book. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. You're going to actually publish this? They said, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, it's, it's not going to sell 500 copies. Who's going to go out and buy a book by a guy who claims to be talking directly to God? And so I dared God, prove it to me. And I was right, by the way. The book didn't sell 500 copies. No. <laughs> it sold 5 million. Yeah. What was in that, 30, over two years on the bestseller list? I mean, wow. Yes, 139 weeks, actually, yeah. wow. on the bestseller list. And and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm not, not here to boast about it. I'm just saying this is what happened. And that convinced me, oh, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Yeah. And that's when I realized as well that the information I was receiving in conversations with God was never meant just for me. It was, in fact, meant for the world entire. So that's what happened. And they published a book. And then I got, uh, then they wound up selling the book actually to a mate. This was a relatively small publisher on the East Coast. But after they sold several million copies, one of the major publishers in the world, you know, Putnam, the Putnam Publishing Company called this smaller publisher and said, we want to we want to buy that book from you. So they bought the book from the smaller publisher. And then they called me, this large publisher in New York City, and said, do you have any more sisters like that at home? <laughs> you know, the old line. And I said, well, if you're asking me if I'm continuing to have this experience, yes, I am. And they said to me, the, you know, the, the, the publishers, uh, the president actually of the publishing company said to me, Send us whatever you've got. Yeah. So they wound up creating what became book two, and then book three, mm -hmm. and then, in fact, altogether nine conversations with God dialogue books covering, as I said, 3,000 pages. Wow. So uh, I finally decided, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to write any more conversations with God books. But I have written other books in support of those nine dialogue books. And, and God Talk, the latest uh, of those supported books, is exactly that, because I wanted to share with people how they could move closer to having their own interaction with the divine. Now, to answer your question of a few minutes ago, what is that six-step process? I'm going to name the six steps, and then I'll explain each of them briefly. The six steps are possibility, worthiness, willingness, wakefulness, acceptance, and discernment. So the first step, possibility, we have to acknowledge that it's possible that God would actually talk to human beings. I mean, I don't mean just that he, that he talks to the Pope, maybe, or the Archbishop of Canterbury, or the chief ulama, or the head rabbi, or somebody in some position of, you know, spiritual authority, but that, in fact, God would talk to the average person, to ordinary human beings. And so we have to admit to the possibility that, number one, a God exists, that there even is a God, and number two, that God talks directly to ordinary human beings. That's what I mean by 
the first step of possibility. If we don't go to that place where we at least hold the idea that such a thing is possible, of course, you can't have a conversation with God. The second step is worthiness. If we say, yes, it is possible, but not for me, I'm not worthy. I mean, God wouldn't talk to me. Fair enough, God probably does talk to the chief ulama, or the head rabbi, or the pope, you know, whatever, people who deserve to be spoken to by God, but not, I mean, I own a bowling alley, for God's sake. God doesn't <laughs> talk to bowling alley owners, or people who have been divorced three times, or people who have cheated on their income tax, or whatever you think I've done wrong in my life. So the second step is to acknowledge our own worthiness, that no matter what we think of ourselves, God continues to think that we are special beyond special, wonderful beyond wonderful. And so God, of course, will speak to every one of us. We are all worthy to be spoken to by God. The third step is willingness. As I mentioned, we have to be willing to overcome the instruction of most of the world. You know, there are 4,223 religions now being wow. practiced on the earth. That That's not from the beginning of time. I mean, in this moment, there are 4,200 religions being practiced on the planet. But most of those religions tell us that it's wonderful for us to talk to God. We call it prayer. And so they encourage us to experience prayer. But those religions also tell us that if you claim that God is talking directly to you, that God is answering you in an individual way with messages from the divine to you personally, if you make that claim, you're committing blasphemy. Exactly. How dare you say that God is talking directly to and through you? So you are an apostate. You're committing heresy. Yes. And so step three in the process is to be willing to overcome the objections uh, or or at least, you know, the the feeling of most people that it's not not really happening. You know, we have to we have to overcome the negativity that greets the idea that God is talking directly to us. Step four is wakefulness. Once we are willing to receive those communications from the divine. We must be awake because God is talking to us in a hundred different ways across a thousand lifetimes. And, you know, not just in words, sometimes in feelings, sometimes in visions, sometimes in just, you know, things, aspects of ordinary life. Like, for instance, fragrance, to give you an example. I'm walking through a department store years ago now, but I recall the, the moment vividly, and I, I'm smelling all of a sudden, gardenia. And looking around me, you know, where's where's the gardenia smell coming from? I'm not in the the, the, the perfume section. What what is this? And the reason that it caught my attention is because gardenia was my mother's signature fragrance. It was her signature perfume. But there's no perfume around me, so I, I thought, whoa, whoa. So I, when I went home, I got on the phone. And I called my mom because I hadn't talked. I realized, you know, I haven't talked to mom in three or four months. I need to pick up the phone and call her. And I'm glad that I did because she wasn't here with us on the planet all that much longer. Mm. 
And I'm so grateful that I somehow received that notion in the department store in the form of my mother's favorite fragrance, which, of course, brought her immediately to mind. Yes. So what I'm, the point I'm making is that God is talking to us in really a hundred different ways across a thousand lifetimes. I mean, the lyrics of the next song you hear on the radio or the chance utterance of a friend that you just happened to bump into on the street that day or the overheard conversation at the coffee shop, you know, or, or the words on the billboard on the, on the next corner that you turn on the, on the, on the freeway. And there's a 10 word billboard message that speaks directly to what's been vexing you. And there's the answer. You go, no way, no way is that billboard there with that answer. Or another way, you know, I go into a, a hair, I recall this happened to me too years ago. There was a, a period of time in my life I was going through some relationship difficulties and I'm, I'm getting my hair done at a, at a, at a um, hairstyling salon, a barber shop. And there, on the while I'm waiting to be called in, I'm sitting in the waiting room, and they have you know ten month old magazines laying around. You got to know that there's a cover story on one of the magazines directly focused on the issue that I was facing in my life. Mm -hmm. I up that, I'm thinking now, how is that possible? Come on, how right. is that possible for that magazine to be right there with a cover story relating directly to what I was facing in that moment? So it's that kind of a thing we have to be aware of. So when we are awake, that's why step four is wakefulness. We start experiencing all the ways in which the divine is communicating with us. Feelings, thoughts, visions, and minor miracles like 10-month-old magazines. And that's been, this has been the biggest one for me. I wasn't that awake to all the, the ways that I was getting answers. I just kept waiting. I don't know how I thought it was going to show up, but yeah. I didn't know it was going to be in the animal that I saw or the person I ran into. Exactly. Exactly. It's magical when you start to realize how many answers we get all the time. Exactly. Now, step five is acceptance. That once we are awake enough to receive or to be aware of the answers of the messages that we are receiving from the divine, we have to not reject them. We have to not say, oh, it's just my imagination, or, you know, oh, I'm just making it all up, or, oh, I'm just talking myself into something because this is what I want to hear. You know, and we have, a way, we have a way of denying, you know, denial. So we step out of denial and move into acceptance. And that's why step five is very important. And step six is discernment. That is, we have to be, be careful that we don't consider every single thing that's happening as a sign. <laughs> you know, I, I reached into my pocket uh, a couple of weeks ago to grab my car keys and uh, a $10 bill that was in my pocket. As I'm pulling the key, keys out of my pocket, a $10 bill you know, came along with it. Uh, and fell on the ground. And my mind went, it's a sign. I should throw all of my money on the ground. <laughs> so I reached into my other pocket and took all my dollar bills and my $5 bills and a couple of 20s I had in there, and I threw it all on the pavement. And a friend walking by said, what are you doing? Why are you throwing your money on the ground? I said, you don't understand. I got a sign from God to throw all my money on the ground. And the guy said, you know, you need to start using a little discernment. Not everything <laughs> is a sign from God. So I picked up the money and I went home. 
So I think that so step uh, six is important as well. So those are the, the six steps. Possibility, worthiness, willingness, wakefulness, acceptance, and discernment. And I discussed them even in greater detail, yes. of course, in the book. And what I loved about getting through that section was the very next thing you said is about taking action. That if we get a message from God, it's not for whenever we have some time down the road, we might want to do that. It's it's time to take some action and good faith that we are willing to act on the messages that we're getting and the guidance that we're getting. And yeah. I think that's really important too. Way, way important. Do something, do something about it. Don't just put it on the shelf, you know, for when I have some time, you know, yes. or I'll get to that later. Yeah, so when I when I receive a message that feels like it's coming directly from the divine, uh, I do something about it immediately. You get up in the middle of the night and write it down, and it becomes a book. <laughs> well, that's in fact exactly what happened. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yes, beautiful. I loved the stories. You know, there are so many good stories that were shared by different authors about their experiences with well, God. Well, I, I want to make sure that's the, when you say this is the second time you said that, shared by different authors. I don't want people to think that authors like Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williams. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> know, but you. You, you, you said that twice. Thank so, you. Guys, she's not talking about different authors, published authors. No. She, she's saying different people. See, what happened was my publisher, uh, who published this book, and by the way, let me backtrack a bit and talk about how the book got published. Most times, authors, you know, get an idea for a book, and then maybe they write it, and then they try to find a publisher. If they're lucky, if they have a, a literary agent, the agent does that work for them and seeks a publisher who will, you know, put the book out. But uh, it's very, very rare, extremely rare, that a publisher actually calls an author out of the blue. But I got a call. My phone rang about a year ago, and it was a publishing company saying, would you be interested in writing? Would you be willing to write a book? Helping other people know how they can have the experience you've had. I said, you know what? No one's ever asked me to publish a book like that. But yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to write one. So I wrote it. Now, that publisher then did something I thought was very wonderful. They put a, um, they put a notice out on the internet inviting the general public and they said to people on the internet, if you feel that you've ever had a direct intervention with the divine or intervention from the divine in your life, write to us and tell us about it. And they began receiving tons of stories of individual people who had exactly that experience. They picked out the seven or eight best of those stories, uh, most interesting or most fascinating and put them in this book titled God Talk, because we wanted people to know that it's not just Neil Donald Walsh who has these interactions. Here are ordinary, other ordinary everyday people. You know, a banker, one guy was a, was a, um, a, a doctor, actually a mother, a single mom, one was a teacher, uh, an elementary school teacher, but, but various people, just ordinary folks, not authors but ordinary people who who had their stories placed in my book as proof that God talks to all of us all the time. Yes. 
The stories were very well written and very interesting. I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I got the one that I got, there were a couple that the messages were very timely for me. And one of them was the teacher that you mentioned that was told to wear skirts. That was her answer from God, wear skirts if you want to reach these children. And and it worked. And what I got from that is no matter how outrageous the message is, listen, <laughs> take that action and do it because it worked for her. Yeah, for some reason or another, and God only knows, you know, you know, right. the old saying, God only knows. But for some reason, her she was in a, one of the earlier grades. It wasn't like the eighth or ninth grade, but in the first or second grade. And her students simply weren't paying attention to her. And then she realized she, she's always wore slacks or jeans or some kind of trouser. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the kids just weren't, for some reason or another, they weren't giving her, you know, their due attention. Then she started coming to class with a skirt on. And I don't know whether they related her to their mother or what was going on, but something changed the way they reacted to her. And they started listening to everything that she was sharing. And she noticed she had become a way more effective teacher. And from that day on, she decided to never skirt the issue. <laughs> nice pun there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, got, I have to use puns as often as I can. Because that's the only way to open the door. Oh, well, th <laughs> thank you. It's a great that. wisdom. And if I don't open the door, then I am punished. Uh huh. Well, you're pretty punny when you do that, too. So I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was another one that I wanted to make sure to mention when I was talking to you. It was that is the healing. And she was talking about praying for a miracle to overcome Crohn's. And she wanted the, the miracle that we all remember hearing about in the Bible, one of those instant quick miracles. And what she got was a slow, gradual and complete healing. And she, then she realized if she would have had that instant miracle, she wouldn't have changed the behaviors and she would have gotten it again. Yeah, yeah, And I, that was so powerful to me because I've had that where I've, oh, I wish I'd get that quick miracle and it doesn't happen. But I do know that I'm answered and I'm answered in a gradual way that gets me to change the behaviors I need to. That really resonated for me. Yes, many of the stories resonate with people and they after they begin uh, contemplating their own lives, they see that, yeah, there have been times when I have felt that there was divine intervention going on in my life as well. So we're very happy with the book. It's very uh, exciting to me to know that it's been published. Uh, and the response of people who have read it so far uh, has been very, very positive. It's such a timely book. I mean, we, we it's never a bad time to, to get to encourage people to talk to God. But I mean, really, people are going through some really tremendous and painful experiences right now in the world. And there's never been a better time to practice those steps that you shared with us and to realize that if we will be still and talk with God, God will talk with us and we can get those answers. So it's a very timely book. And I love that the holidays are coming up. It's a great, a great inspiring message to add to your gift list as well. Thank you for saying that I agree with you, not because I wrote it, but because I do think it contains wonderful information for everyone. So yes, the book is called God Talk. And yeah, grab a copy and see if you agree that it has something there for everyone.
Yes, and thank you to Sacred Stories Publishing for bringing this to life and reaching out to you, Neil Donald Walsh, and for you doing it. And I cannot end this conversation with you without bringing up the book that is my favorite book that you ever wrote, and we haven't talked about it yet. My inner child just loves Little Soul in the Sun, and I have gifted that book to more people that I work with in coaching because it's such a beautiful way to look at situations that can be painful in life and see them in a completely different light. I don't think it's a children's book. It may have been written for children, but I love it. Yeah, we should explain that the book, The Little Soul of the Sun, is in fact marketed as a children's book. It was intended to be, it's, you know, it's with, with beautiful colored pictures and the big size book that you would give to a seven or a nine-year-old or even a five-year-old. So it's it's really a lovely children's book, but you're right. It has a message that's applicable to people from the age of five to the age of 55 and beyond. So it's, it's a timeless message where the little soul explains, you know, why things, events in life can be used to advance the agenda of the soul. It's a conversation basically between what the, the main character of the book, which is the little soul, and a, a second character in the book who's called the friendly soul. And the friendly soul comes to, I'll tell the story just briefly without giving away too many of the punchlines, but in, in general, the friendly soul comes to the little soul and explains to the little soul, I, I need your help, you know, because I want to experience a certain aspect of divinity, uh, and I need to experience forgiveness. And the little soul said, ah, yes, forgiveness. Well, the little soul wants to experience itself as the light. It wants to experience itself as forgiveness. And the friendly soul says, I can help you with that. So the little soul says, you can help me? to experience forgiveness? How? And the friendly soul said, well, how about if I just come into your next lifetime and I'll do some dastardly thing? I'll pick on you or I'll bully you or I'll do worse. I'll do some something really bad to you. And, and so I, then, but then you can learn how to forgive me. And the little soul said, how would I know how to do that? And the friendly soul said, when I do something dastardly, when I do this horrible thing to you, remember who I really am. Yes. And the little soul said, oh, I won't forget. You're filled with the light. I see you now. You're just full of light. How could you do such a, you couldn't even bring yourself to do such a terrible thing. And the friendly soul said, I would do it because you asked me to, to bring you an opportunity to be who you really are. But don't forget, because if you forget, then I will go unforgiven. And the little soul said, I won't forget. I'll remember, I'll remember. And we have remembered every time someone has offended us, hurt us, damaged us, injured us. We have remembered that the soul doing that to us is just as holy as we are. They've simply forgotten who they are. And so we not only come to a place where forgiveness is not necessary, we move to a place of understanding. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Yes. And so I invite everyone to put that little statement on their bathroom mirror. The next time 
you're looking for something to do, grab a little felt tip pen and write the following words in the upper right-hand corner of your bathroom mirror. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Yes. Because, because all is of God. All is of God. There is nothing that isn't of God. And that's, that's the whole right. foundation principle and of God it God will all. never forgive us for anything. Right. And I, I, when I make that statement in talks, sometimes people get very upset with me. They, they, I've, I've had I've, uh, People have been known to, to get up from their chair and walk out of the lecture because I said, God will never forgive you for anything. They go crazy. I said, well, sit down. If you'll sit down for five more minutes, I'll explain to you. God will never forgive you for anything because God doesn't have to forgive you for anything. First of all, you cannot hurt, damage, injure, upset, anger, or frustrate or disappoint God in any way for a very simple reason. Because God needs nothing from you and requires nothing of you. Anymore, if you want to have a direct experience of that, then you need or require anything from your 18-month-old child. You know, if your 18-month-old child is going to turn two and on her second birthday, she's so excited about the chocolate cake. Oh, mommy, my favorite cake, my favorite cake, chocolate. Oh, boy. She knocks over the glass of milk, reaching for the cake. And just now there's milk all over the, all over the party table, and the place is a mess. But Grandpa says, it's okay, sweetheart. I forgive you. Of course not. Grandpa doesn't forgive the child because Grandpa understands how the child could do such a thing. In fact, not only does Grandpa not forgive the child, he actually comforts the child mm -hmm. in the moment of her dismay. It's okay, sweetheart. It's okay, sweetheart. It's okay. It'll be all right. You made a mistake. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Even Grandpa spills his milk. So many people make that mistake that we actually have a saying. There's no <laughs> use crying over spilled milk. So God does not forgive us for anything because God understands how a species as, I want to say, underdeveloped as a species as immature as we are could do the things that we're doing, including killing each other because we disagree about something like a borderline. Right. Between our countries. Either you agree with me or I'll come into your country and I'll kill 10,000 people. Wow. And this is in the year 2023 where we're supposed to be an advanced species. So we have a little way to go, a little way to go. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue doing our best. Because if enough of us carry a message of a new kind of God, a God who does not judge, condemn, or judge each other, or punish each other, then we will adopt a new behavior. You'll stop judging, condemning, and punishing other human beings as well. 
because our religions tell us to, you know, to imitate God, to act in a divine way, to act godly. But if we think that God judges, condemns, and punishes, then we will judge, condemn, and punish others and think it's perfectly normal and appropriate for us to do so. And so we then kill people. Yes. As a punishment for killing people. We actually put them in an electric chair and turn on the power yeah. and put them to death because they killed someone else. I mean, after all, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know, this is a, a, a perfectly enlightened way to behave. Except it was Einstein who told us, Albert Einstein, the incredible scientist who told us, you can never solve any problem using the same energy that created it. Exactly. Hello. Wake up. And that is why I am so honored to have you here, because if there's a message that we all need to hear, it's to get our information directly from source. Stop believing the interpretations that we're handed of what God wants us to do and go straight to the source and ask, who am I? Why am I here? What do you want from me? And get those answers directly. Because I, I agree with you, we keep just regurgitating the same solutions in the name of God. And it's it hasn't worked before. It's not going to work now. More wars have been started in the name of God than for any other single reason throughout yes. human history. So yes, we need to change our mind. We need to you know, realize that God's message to the world is very simple. You've got me all wrong. <laughs> yes, we've come full circle, haven't we, in this beautiful conversation together today. I want to honor your time. I thank you so much for all that you've done to wake us up and encourage us and show us the way. Thank you very much. Carol, it was lovely to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation and for the opportunity. It's been a joy and an honor. And thank you for joining us. Please leave your comments below the podcast, or if you're on YouTube, we will answer those. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And the book again from Sacred Stories Publishing is God Talk by Neil Donald Walsh. Thank you, Mr. Walsh, for being with us today. You're very, very welcome. Thank you, as I said, for the opportunity to do so. And one final message. Yes. Raise not your fist to heaven. And curse the darkness not, but be a light unto the darkness, that you might know who you really are, and that all those whose lives you touch might know who they really are as well. Just a thought. Thank you. <laughs>